You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Church, we've, we've talked about being in the valley. We've talked about uh, being going down into the valley, and I just... I was, we were singing that song and just kept hitting me in the face over and over and over again that when we get there, what do we do? We speak the name of Jesus. It is, it is really that simple to bring breakthrough to those around you. You just simply show up and you speak the name of Jesus. If you're faithful to be present and faithful to speak His name, miracles will break out. Amen? Turn to right now Ezekiel 37. We'll read it in just a second. But there is blessing in the valley church. There is blessing. No one escapes the valleys in their lives, right? How many of you have never been in a low point in your days? If you haven't, we all want to talk to you about how you manage that. Okay, because everyone, no one, no one misses the valley. No matter what, whether you like it or not, you will find yourself in the valley at some point. But something that not everyone will experience And church, if there is a headline for where we're going today, this is it. Capture this because this is going to highlight everything else. Something that not everyone will experience is being sent into the valley. We find ourselves in moments of low points, circumstances that we couldn't have predicted, we couldn't have have anticipated, and we find ourselves there. But what what most people don't understand is that there will be a time, and we are living it right now, church, where the Lord will call upon His faithful children to go into the valley to bring those that have been there for too long out. And church, that is where we are today. We are not in the valley because of poor, poor sundown church. That's not it. We, we have no... The, the Lord is still doing profound things in this house. There, there is still financial success. There's still opportunities for growth. The Lord is doing profound and amazing things, and we're just going to continue to allow Him to build it, right? We're going to continue to stay out of the way. It's worked thus far, so we're going to keep doing with that business model. It works really well. Get out of the way. Let the Lord build it. And He is doing that, and I'm telling you, He is speaking to this house. So this house is not in a valley because this poor, poor sundown church. We're no victims in here, amen? We are not victims, but we have been called into the valley. This house, the fourth pillar in the next great move of God that we, I believe, find ourselves in right now. We, this church, this house of the Lord, this house filled with the Spirit of God, don't find themselves in the valley because of difficult circumstances. We find ourselves in the valley because the Lord has asked us to go into it. Because there are those there that have been there for far too long. And He desires for us, this house, to bring them out. Amen? Come on. Y'all better be ready. I've been pumped up for this word all stinking week. Um, I mean, I am ready to go. I was, I was in here Wednesday as we were getting these panels up, and I, I was catching myself sometimes like, Parker, if you keep smiling like this, they're going to think you're crazy. Because <laughs> I just like, the whole time, I just big old cheesy grin. It wasn't, it wasn't good looking. It was just scary. But I was just, I was so overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Just getting to hang out with some of my friends, getting to better this church, but also just thinking about all that the Lord is doing in our city. That which we can see, that which we can feel, and that which we can't 
Because there's a lot of things that are still very frustrating, still very difficult that we've got to get through, that the, the city needs to be led through. And they're going to be led through it by us. Because we have been sent into the valley to bring others out. Amen? Look at Ezekiel 37. I just want to read this again um, because I love it. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the, in the spirit of the Lord. It set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O God, only you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you... And will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus does the Lord God come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. And we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord God. Amen? I love this. I love verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. How many of you know the Lord has no desire for us to go into the valley and restore people to who they were when they entered? Yeah, an exceedingly great army doesn't get left for bones in the, in the valley. A pitiful one does. But they rose out an exceedingly great army because the Lord has no desire. Can we just latch onto this and anchor ourselves to this truth over sundown Texas? The Lord has no desire for us to be what we were because we were less than what he has for us to be now. To be what we used to be in sundown Texas is less than what the Lord has for us tomorrow. I don't want to be less than. I want to be more than. Amen. We are more than enough people. We serve El Shaddai. We serve Jehovah Jireh. He is not in the business of repeating itself. He is not in the business of finding a good status quo and just towing the line. He is in the business of glory to glory to glory and ever increasing glory. Amen. An ever increasing glory and ever increasing work and ever increasing move of God is what he's in the business in. And he has called us to perform such a task. Just as he called Ezekiel into the valley, he has called Sundown Church into the valley. That when we go in and when we speak over these people that used to be nothing but dry bones, that they would rise again fresh and anew, greater than they've ever been. Amen? That the lost, the broken, the hopeless. That those that are in there, that we have been sent to, 
And we've been sent to them. Recognize this too, church. You have been sent to them with all that they need. You have been equipped. Before the Lord called you into the valley, you were equipped with everything that those people that you're going to encounter, everything that they'll need. Every single thing that they need. That the lost would become found. That the broken would be made whole. That the hopeless to become the hopeful. Amen? Church, you and I have been sent into the valley to bring those out of it who have been there for far too long. How, we, I, I, I got to do this. We were, I was riding a horse. I, I always, I'm always riding a horse. But I was riding a horse out in Matador and we, we came across a bunch of uh, uh, sheds, uh, deer sheds, antlers. When they, they fall off of them. And we were talking about it and you could tell how old they were by, height, by how dry they were because they were exposed to lifelessness for so long that you can tell just how long it's been there. And you can tell it's been there for a really, really long time, right? Because it gets white, it starts to crack. These are the bones that we've been called to speak over. Exposed to the harshness of the valley for far too long, longer than God intended. And we have been sent to speak, to bring them out of it, those who have been there far too long, too many become stagnant in the valley. And what happens when you become stagnant? Even water, the very thing you need to survive, to live. Your body is made mostly of water. This earth is made mostly of water. But if you drink from water that has not moved, the very thing that you need for life will be the very thing that kills you. Because the Lord did not make us to stand still. The Lord made us to be on the move. So there are people that have been in the valley, they have stood still, and the valley has had their way with has had has had its way with them. It has dried them up, causing them to be stagnant, leading them to death. But God has sent you to restore them and to lead them out. Church, I need you before we move on, I need you to understand that you have been called. You have been sent. You are the answer to the needs in Sundown, Texas. Spiritual and physical. You are the answer. You are His hands and feet, and He knew where we would be at such a time as this, and He said, but Johnny will be there. And she will be equipped with all that she needs to raise those dry bones to newness of life and lead them out of the valley. Amen? Amen. This is who you are. And do you want to know what this is called? To be called upon by the Lord to go into the valley to restore those that have been left there for far too long and to lead them out in an exceedingly great army. You want to know what that's called? Church, that's called favor. That is favor. That the Lord would choose you to go into a place to redeem those that are broken, to redeem those that have been lost, and to restore them to the full purpose and destiny and design that God has had for them since the beginning of time and lead them out and then lead them out. You have been called. You are the vessels of restoration and resurrection. You live with the living presence of Jesus Christ who defeated the grave. We are empowered because death has no claim on us anymore. And therefore, when we speak, death listens. That's who you are. And so when you speak to these people, they will rise up and they will come out of there. But the Lord has called you into it. He has called you, His people, into the valley. And that is called favor. That He would call me to speak over dry bones, 
that they would come to a newness of life. Of all the people in all of the earth, in all of time, he chose me, he chose you to speak over the dry bones that we find ourselves in today. You want to talk about honor. That the God of the universe would send you and place you in such a time and then send you into the valley. Wow. It's been profound for me to think about this, to think about the favor to be chosen to resurrect a valley of dry bones through the spoken word of God and through the spirit leading. Amen. This word is captivating to me. It has been captivating to me. That's what I was so giddy about it on Wednesday. I was just thinking about favor, thinking about the word that was coming uh, for today. And I was just thinking about favor. And I was, as I was thinking about favor, I was noticing the favor of the Lord. Right? You, you all know Chris. Um, he's a legend. He's the coolest dude I know. Vandertuin. Yeah, Chris, the legend. That's the only Chris I know that is, could also be said is a legend, right? I mean, his mustache alone demands respect, right? But, I mean, he, before he came here, he was, he was talking to me about the things he did just as he woke up and drank his coffee and ate breakfast, and it was like more than I do in a day. And I, I have no understanding of even how to do it. He's like, oh, yeah, I took this part, started fixing this, and you know, just messing around with that. And I'm just like, that... I think most people have degrees to do that. And Chris just did it while he was drinking his coffee. But then he comes up here and he helps us with all of this because this is a precise project and Parker and Precise aren't friends, but Chris and Precise are friends. So, and he comes, but he's going to leave at noon because he's got another job he's got to do. And guess what? 11 o'clock rolls around. That job got canceled. He's staying all day. I'm just like, favor. <laughs> favor. <laughs> we started at 8 a.m., and by noon, be ready, we had those two up, <laughs> right? Lots of progress. And I was staring at the rest of the room like, I live here now. I'm just going to work on this day and night to be ready for Sunday. And, but then Chris got to stay. We went to lunch. We come back. And as we're coming through that door, I realized what we didn't think of was the fact that we used that door. And now there's a panel above it. And we didn't think about how tall the door was. And so I opened that door so slowly, and I'm like, it's going to start hitting the panel. And now people are just going to come in, probably me, and they're going to break that in a week. And that's going to be so fun. And I opened that thing up, and I'm not kidding you, there's maybe an eighth of an inch gap. Whew. Like we planned it. Favor. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, the, God is good. And then all these people start showing up to help us finish. Shorty, Tony, Tim, Zach, uh, Steve, all these people just start coming out of the woodworks to help us get it done. Before, I thought we were going to do this through Kindness Project. By 6 o'clock, we were done. And then we got to straighten up the chairs that my kids have already gotten crooked again. But we got to do that, and I'm just sitting here like, okay, these are small things. Church, these are small things. But when you are paying attention and you are recognizing the truth that I have the favor of the Lord upon me, you know what you begin to notice? How much favor you actually have. That even in the little things, you find the favor of the Lord drenched upon you. The silly things like a door. You know how hard that would have been? Unscrew some screws, move it up a little bit, done, we're done. But the Lord's like, no, just have fun. 
the door's going to open. It's going to be beautiful. Maybe the door shrunk. I don't know. Maybe that's how the favor of the Lord worked. Maybe it's a shorter door now. I don't know. The Lord can do what he does. But church, there is, there is favor upon you. And just to prove this, I'm, I want to ask you, who, this, just a show of hands, who is present in this room this morning? Simple question. You're all here, right? You passed. I think Elaine was confused, but she's here. She's, she's writing, okay. Who is a child of God in this room this morning? Then you have the Lord's favor. You have the Lord's favor. It's all over you. Turn with me to Romans 8. Church, we are not great at recognizing the Lord's favor in our stories. And oftentimes what has happened is we believe that the favor of the Lord is something to be earned. And that is so wrong. Right? Let's address just how wrong that is. Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit, are of, uh, the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be also glorified with Him. Where in there do you hear a lack of favor? The Spirit of God will declare who you are even if you don't believe it. You hear what I'm saying? The Spirit of God intercedes for you. That sounds like favor. That sounds like favor. Scroll down with me to verse uh, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It is the will of God that the Spirit of God would intercede on your behalf. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, favor. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might also be, or that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. That is favor, church. Verse 31, when... What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So not only do you have the Spirit of God interceding for you, you have the Son of God who just, He died for you, defeated the grave for you, and now He's in heaven praying for you. If that's not favor, I don't understand favor. And I don't care to understand favor. I like that version of favor better. Right? So let's just say that that's favor. Who shall separate us? 
from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, this is who you are. Period. We read that, those passages because these are identity statements. This is who you are. Receive it. This is who you are. This is your name. This is your purpose. This is your destiny. You are His and His alone. Amen. And you're not just His. You're not just in His house. You are at the head of His house. You are a co-heir with Christ Jesus. You are to inherit the kingdom of heaven as a ruler of it. Not a participant, not a member, a ruler of the kingdom of heaven. You are royalty. And you did nothing to earn it. And you, are, you aren't even of the bloodline that deserves it. You were brought in in adoption and then you were set upon the throne. Where in history have you ever seen someone adopted and then placed on the throne? Mm -mm, doesn't happen. Not on this earth. But it does happen in the kingdom. We have all been adopted and we have all been set in a place of royalty. In the kingdom of heaven. And there is favor all over this passage because these are identity statements. Favor is in the Lord and it is rooted in these rooted in who you are and who you're meant to be, not what you do. Hear this. You have favor because of who He says that you are. Not because of who you believe that you are. Not because of what you've done or haven't done. You have favor because of who He declares you to be. And because He gives you the title, undeserved, unearned, and sometimes not received, He gives you that title, and because you wear that title placed on you by Him, you have favor. You have immense favor. John 15. We've read this passage a lot. We know it well. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As soon as you step into His will for you, as soon as you say yes to Jesus, we've talked about this and the importance of this. He doesn't need anything from you but yes in your heart. Yes is all He needs. I've had this conversation a lot with people lately, just people that are uh, new Christians and uh, people that are learning to hear the, the voice of God and learning, uh, just building a relationship with the Spirit. And this is a teaching that I got from Kendall. When I was in this place of learning to be led by the Spirit of God. And what he told me is that when he was learning the voice of God, if he felt like the Lord said something, he would just do it no matter what. And there were plenty of times, he said, where he missed it. Where that was not the Lord, it was him. But what he found to be true is that the Lord loves 
to work on a heart that says yes, but might be missing it. And it's a lot easier for him to do it to a heart that says yes. Even if you get it wrong, the Lord is pleased because your heart is yes to him. So he'll fine tune you. He'll tweak you just a little bit. But he can't tweak a heart that says no. He can't teach a heart to hear his voice that says no to him. We have to say yes. And if we say yes to the Lord, if we say yes to His leading, yes to His purpose and destiny over my life, you step into favor. That's the will of God. The will of God, boiled down to one thing, is to say yes to Him and His leading. That's it. It's so simple. And it is so fun. I'm telling you, it is so much fun to say yes to the will of God. As soon as you step into His will for you, And by the way, we know this, but His will is what you are created for. So you're not stepping into anything foreign. You're stepping into what you're alive to do. Be in the will of God. You were not made to exist outside of it. Look at our world. So much of it is existing outside of the will of God. And how great is it doing? It's not doing so hot. Because we are not made to exist outside of the will of God. We are made to exist within it. You are made for Him. Period. No ands, if, or buts about it. You are made for Him. So you are just stepping into, when you say yes, you're just stepping into purpose. And once you do, you step into favor. And it's time for us to live knowing this, church. Existing, knowing that we have immense favor. And when we live recognizing that we have favor, we not only see instances where His favor is vibrant in our lives, but we also open ourselves up to opportunities where we can step into a situation knowing favor goes with us and has gone before us. You know why it's easy to go into the valley to bring people out? It's easy when I know that I have the favor of the Lord. Yes, I'm being called into a difficult place. But guess what? The favor of the Lord is not just upon me, not just around me, but it has gone before me. It has opened doors that I've not even come to yet. They're already open that I don't even have to slow down and wait. I just get to walk through them. When we understand and believe and are unwavering from this reality and this truth that the favor of the Lord is upon me and is for me and is not against me, has gone before me and is all around me, the favor of the Lord, I'm a lot more willing to step into hard places, to scary places, a lot more willing. Church, this is, there, there are some, this, this world right now, like one of the scary things that we're doing right now is raising kids. It's scary. Because I don't know what tomorrow they're going to inherit. And it doesn't look awesome. It's, it's scary for me to know that I won't always be there with my kids. I won't always be there to protect them, to shield them. They're going to have to go out and they're going to have to handle the world just like I did. And that's scary as a parent, right? To watch them and have to cut the cord and let them start growing up a little bit because you don't want them to. It's scary. But I know the favor of the Lord is upon me. And I know, you remember that five-year-old that said yes to Jesus a couple months ago and was baptized. The favor of the Lord is upon him. And I will trust in that favor to lead him, guide him, and protect him more than my ability to do so. Because he can do far more with that favor than I could have ever seen or imagined, like we just saw with Kennedy. 
the favor that was on her life is still upon her life. And people are being led out of the valley because of the favor that was upon her, that is upon her. Amen? This is a profound power source that we have not recognized, that we don't live with. We don't... We act, and for so long I was guilty of this, that the favor, that I would come to seasons where I earned His favor. And it would just happen. And I would just have favor. It's like, man, I've got favor right now. And then I would enter another season and be like, I, I don't have the same favor I had. You know what? Oftentimes, being in a place and, and feeling like there's no favor in that place, you know what that, the Lord is trying to yell at you? You're not supposed to be here. Go away. This is not your assignment. It's taking up things that are not for you to take up. But we do this all the time, right? And we will, we will feel like we're pushing a boulder uphill. If you ever feel like you're pushing a boulder uphill, you're, you're in the wrong place. Because that's not the assignment the Lord has for you. That's not it. Ezekiel didn't have to tow the, val- the, the, the army out. They walked out by their own power and authority and victory. Amen? So if you find yourself in a place where you don't feel like there's favor, let's go somewhere else. Let's check into a new place. I don't, I don't know what it is. Ask the Lord it, what's going or, or maybe you're just existing in this place and you're operating in a capacity that He has no desire for you to operate in. Taking on too much or taking on too little. Right? We have plenty of people that are in leadership positions that are supposed to be in leadership positions, but they're either doing more than they're supposed to be doing or not enough of what they're supposed to be doing. And they find themselves struggling with the favor. That's Pay attention to that. It is to be your guide. But I'm telling you, church, you have immense and profound favor upon you. And when you recognize that you have favor upon your life, that there's nothing that you can do to remove this favor. There's, there's no way you earned it. When we read through Romans 8, there's not a single moment in that passage where any one of us can say, I remember earning that title. Uh-uh. You were given that title. You were given it. Because we know we didn't even come to the moment of salvation on our own, but the Lord encountered us. His presence was made manifest to us, and we recognized in this moment that I need Him. That's all salvation is. But it's an encounter. He comes to us. And then what does He do? He gives us faith that we could then have faith in Him. It's not our doing. It's not our faith. He gives us faith to have faith. So how could you earn His favor? No, He gives you favor. And you have favor. He gives it. He pours it out. Psalm 119.105 I have a new understanding of this verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When I know that I have His favor, I am led by His light. But if I don't believe I have the favor of the Lord, what am I going to do? I'm going to check back into my flesh and I'm going to start problem solving. I'm going to start trying to work out a way out of the situation I'm in. I'm going to try to start escaping. Right? Because my mind is and my focus is no longer on Him. But when I understand His favor that is upon me, I will be led by His light no matter where it leads. No matter where it leads. Even if it leads to some small little town in West Texas that no one's ever heard of because it's a time of day and they didn't think it was an actual place. I'm not kidding. Kendall told me about sundown. I'm like, it's like, I don't know, 6.30 maybe, Kendall? He's like, no, it's a place in Lubbock. I'm like, there's no places in Lubbock. There's just tumbleweeds in Lubbock. It's just sad. 
and then I came here. And I love it here. I love the tumbleweeds too. They're still sad, but I like them. But there's favor. There's favor upon us, church. There's favor that has gone before us. I mean, what is it? When, when he says that he makes a way for you, that he goes before you to prepare a way, what do you think that is? That is favor, church. Favor. I'm saying it a lot, but I am trying to pound this into you because we need to operate. Tomorrow doesn't need to look like today or yesterday. It needs to look different because we are a people that have firmly planted ourselves and rooted ourselves in this reality that I have the favor of the Lord. And now I will go out in boldness because His favor is upon me. I can step into uh, scary places, difficult places because of His favor. I'll go into the valley with boldness and victory because I know the favor of the Lord is upon me. And church, it is time for us to live reflecting the reality of His favor. That His favor is all over you. That He is for you. And that we rejoice, that we would rejoice, that we would be a people that rejoice in this knowledge and truth of favor that is for me each and every day. And not because of anything you do, but just simply because you're his kid. And so you have favor. My kids have favor because they're mine. I will see to them before I see to anyone else because they're mine. Right? We understand this. Now, apply that to the perfect heavenly Father that is yours. You have favor. Church, we've had a, we sang that song, Shout to the Lord, and that, that song, I asked Sarah if we could sing that song. Um, and so, and sh- she graciously said yes and, and led us through it beautifully. And, um, but I, that should be our response to this reality that we would shout to the Lord. I love songs. I was telling Sarah about this, and she was just kind of asking um, about the song, but I, I realized something about myself. I love worship songs that command a response. I love it. I heard this talk. Uh, I, I, can't believe, I can't remember if it was Kendall or Randy about commanding your flesh to praise Jesus. And there's something cool about that that you will submit flesh to the praise of our King, to my King. And so I love telling my flesh, shout to the Lord. And that's not shout to the Lord. That's not it. You command yourself and then you do it. Let yourself shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Who will lead? It says, shout to the Lord all the earth. Let us sing. That's got to start somewhere. So let's, let us be the ones that begin the shout that the earth joins in with. Let it begin right here, church. And let what fuels your shouting of praise to God be the fact that you have favor and you did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it, but it will never leave you. It will be upon you and it has gone before you. The favor of the Lord has already saturated tomorrow and we've not even gotten there yet. It is already saturated today. It's saturated what comes after this service. You have favor. And now allow that favor to propel you into destiny. Because you have been called into the valley. You have been sent down there to bring those out. That's favor. What an assignment that we have been given an entire city. There is no other church here in sundown. 
They've got, we've got the Church of Christ and we love them, and, but it, it's just a family at this point. This is the only active church with an active pastor and ministry staff employed here. This is it. I have conversations with pastors in Lubbock, and it's cool because they just have this fellowship in these churches. They're all working together to, to rally around Lubbock and to transform the lives of the people in Lubbock. And that's a big task, and it takes a lot of people. There's not one person that can do this. And I, I find myself at some, t- at some moments sad that I don't have those kind of pastors that are just that know what's going on in sundown, that can feel the, the frustrations and the, and the heartbreak, but also the victory and the rejoicing. I, I, there's no one else besides our staff here. But I'm also at the same time, I'm honored that he said, I just need Sundown Church to transform this city. What an honor, church. That is favor. He just needs you to transform the thousands of people that call this city home. And we will lead out of this valley an exceedingly great army. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.